Donald Trump went to South Dakota and gave a speech where he bragged about wanting to build condos with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Trump also bloviated how he would direct his attorney general if elected to arrest his political enemies and how he could have sold his properties for a lot of money to the Saudis while in office if he wanted to. The media then normalized his behavior and did stories about the crowd size and people chanting, Trump, Trump, Trump at the event. I kid you not, I'm going to show you the media coverage of this truly deranged event. On September 11th, we remember those who lost their lives on September 11th, 2001, as a result of terrorists who attacked the World Trade Center the Pentagon, and who had other targets planned, who attacked our nation. We never forget the victims, the heroism of the fallen that day. We never forget the courage of our first responders, and we must never forget the commitment that we made to them and those who sacrificed for our country to take care of them and their families. So as Fox and MAGA Republicans try to politicize 9-11 and today attack President Biden for commemorating the solemn day at an American military base abroad, apparently for MAGA, that's not okay, we must never forget the truth. We must never forget that it was Republicans who voted against the Fairness for 9-11 Families Act was Republicans who fist-bumped just last year, voting against the PACT Act. It was Trump who opposed the 9-11 memorial. It was Trump who lied about housing people at 40 Wall Street. It was Trump who lied and claimed he helped clear the rubble on 9-11. It is people like Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene who call it the so-called plane that hit the Pentagon. We must never forget these truths as well, things that actually happen and are so incredibly dangerous to our country. President Biden, meanwhile, took a five-day international trip attending the G20 conference in India and then going to Vietnam. Biden helped accomplish two critical initiatives overseas, ushering an infrastructure project meant to connect India the Middle East and Europe with high-speed rail, shipping lines, and energy pipelines, and launching the Global Biofuels Alliance. President Biden has also led America, and this has not really been reported in many places, as America has been winning a semiconductor chips battle against China following the passage of the CHIPS Act. Yet the headlines from legacy media and almost all media has been on President Biden going to bed. I'm not sure if you know this. He, he went to bed one of the nights, not taking additional questions during a press conference where he responded to basically every question that was being asked. And the media coverage, which is just downright ageism at this point, and it's frankly disgusting disgusting. Donald Trump, meanwhile, is out there saying that he is very, very smart, and he put out a challenge to the heads of the Wall Street Journal, to Rupert Murdoch, and to President Biden, challenging them 
to take the same dementia test, person, woman, man, camera, TV, which one is an elephant, which one is a snake, that test, the one that he claims he passed very powerfully before when he was in office. He just issued this challenge. Silence from the media. The media thinks this is normal. It's not. We don't treat it that way. Donald Trump just filed, before we went live, a recusal motion in federal court trying to get rid of federal judge Tanya Chutkin, the federal judge presiding over the Washington, D.C. federal case prosecuted by special counsel Jack Smith. This is the case involving Trump's attempt to overthrow the results of the 2020 election. Trump filed this recusal request Two weeks after Judge Chutkin set a trial date for March 4th, 2024, and it's been over a month since the indictment was issued by a D.C. grand jury. Finally, Congress has returned from recess, and what is the first thing that MAGA Republicans do? Well, call for impeachment of President Biden and also Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling for secession. She just sent, made a post straight up calling for secession. It's wrong. It's despicable. We got to call it out. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch podcast, joined by Brett and Jordy Micellis. Brothers, how are you doing today? What's up, Ben? What's up, Jordy? Always good to be here with the Midas Mighty. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a solemn day. Uh, it's so wild. You know, the emotions still feel so raw every September 11th to me. It, it it both feels like a long time ago, but at the same time feels like yesterday, even though it was more than two decades ago. And I still, it's one of those moments in history that I think everybody knows kind of exactly where they were at the time that it happened. I recall being in middle school and our school strategy. And at the time, I, I was certainly honestly pretty angry about it. But when I reflect back, I truthfully don't know what I would have done if I was in charge of the school. But they really didn't tell us totally what happened. They told us that there was an incident at the World Trade Center. They didn't want to get everybody concerned. So I remember going home from school that day and mom picking us up and seeing Jordy um, at, at home and us joking around and having fun. And then our mom filled us in on exactly what was going on. Our, our dad was working in New York City on the day and called us to inform us that he was okay and that he was safe. Um, and, and sadly for some of my classmates, we live in New York, that was not the case. And I remember watching those harrowing images on TV of the planes hitting the towers over and over again, and it actually sinking into me, um, you know, what had just happened. And I, I don't think we could have fully predicted what would have unfolded from there. Um, but I, I remember at that time, a lot of unity in the country, like we had never seen, you know, a, a lot of pride in being an American, a lot of coming together, whether you were Democrat or Republican or independent, it didn't quite matter. At the same time, I also remember how that unity was exploited, exploited for xenophobia to attack people who appeared as the other uh, Americans who appeared to be Muslim, Americans who were Muslim, um, getting attacked and the viciousness and the wars that we were led into and the path that we ended up taking, how our leaders so weaponized that goodwill of the American people and, and, and brought us to a path that, in my opinion, I think 
ultimately led us to Donald Trump and this conspiratorial Republican Party uh, that we have today. So I think we are still feeling the effects of this day. Um, it is, of course, meaningful to all Americans, I think especially meaningful to us um, being pretty close to New York City and, and knowing a lot of people um, involved, knowing uh, people who were first responders that day. And and I, I just can't spend enough time you know, sharing my love um, with everybody who was impacted on, on September 11th. And Brett, I just want to give a, an extra shout out to you too. You wrote an excellent piece today for the for the website um, that recapped really how Republicans, you know, twisted that American that America, you know, morale at the time. You know, the coming together, the camaraderie, and how they used it and weaponized it uh, against ev- everyone. Um, so a- excellent piece, big bro. And just like you say, like it does just feel like yesterday. A- every time we get to this date on the calendar, I mean, instantly you bring back exactly where you were on that date. I bet it's like that for so many of our watchers and listeners out there. Um, un- unfreaking believable that it's been so long, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do tonight's show. And Ben, great intro as always, big bro. Thanks, Jay. Brett, were you in middle school at the time? I think I was in 11th grade at the time. You were in middle school, right? Yeah, I was in middle school at the time. And so what would that make? If you were in 11th grade, that would put me in. I I got the ages right here because I was doing it in my head during the intro. Brett, you were 10 or 11. I was eight. And then uh, Ben was 16. Because I remember very vividly where I was, Brett. And my experience was, I think, slightly different than yours. I remember I was in Italian class, which was like my first or second period class when we started hearing about it. And the way they did it at high school, and again, for everybody watching, we all live fairly close to the city. And in the town that we grew up in, in the neighboring towns, our parents many of them work in Manhattan um, and people work as first responders. They work in New York City. And so for me, one of the things that was happening is they would put over the loudspeaker people's names throughout the day. They had the TV on in the library and they showed everybody what was going on. And then they would call out names on the loudspeaker. And so if people got a call out on the loudspeaker, you started to realize that it was probably because one of their parents Uh. died on on the day and they would call out the names and call out the names. So that was my memory from high school of what was going on. And, And I remember one of the things too, the cell phone towers were also down. So it was hard to get in touch with people who were who were there. And then a lot of first responders, especially in the neighboring towns to us as well. Um, so, you know, every time, you know, we, we reflect on September 11th, remembering just kind of personally where we were, it always comes back to me in, in, in vivid details. You know, I remember a lot of these things as well. Like I remember the contrast, you know, at the time between people who, how people were talking about it. Like I, I remember when Donald Trump used the moment to brag about now having the tallest building in Manhattan and comparing that when President Biden at the time was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, right? Just you go back there. We're going to show a lot of videos today of, of the present moment, right? Of Donald Trump today and President Biden today as well, and also the media coverage of them because the media is being very complicit in furthering Don, you know, Donald Trump and, and, and fascism here. But 
play this video, Brett. This is Donald Trump bragging about having the tallest building now. Um, and this was uh, right around September 11th. This was on the day. Play this clip. You have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage or did you know what, what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest, and now it's the tallest. Just think about the language that he used. It was an amazing phone call and then boasting about then having the tallest building. And also notice, though, too, the interviewer, even back then, calling it a landmark building. It's like, why are those words being used back then? Also, it's important to note the facts. Trump opposed the 9-11 memorial. He lied about housing people at 40 Wall Street. He claimed he helped clear the rubble, claimed he saw Muslims on rooftops in New Jersey cheering. Um, and, and let's just talk about what's going on now, too. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene very recently, you know, saying with respect to the plane that hit the Pentagon, she called it the so-called plane. Here, play this video. But we had witnessed 9-11, right? We had witnessed 9-11, uh, the terrorist attack um, in New York and the plane that uh, crashed in Pennsylvania and the so-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It's odd. There's never any evidence shown for a plane in the Pentagon. But anyways, I won't, I'm not going to dive into the 9-11 conspiracy. But you know who does also dive into the 9-11 conspiracy, not just Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's been given a major, major leadership position in the MAGA Republican-controlled Congress by the most spineless speaker of the House in history, Kevin McCarthy, but Donald Trump very recently uh, spreading 9-11 conspiracies. Donald Trump continues to brag. We're going to show you a clip in a little bit, like at the South Dakota, South Dakota rally, also recently in his deposition in the New York attorney general case. Trump brags, look, the Saudis would pay me anything. The Saudis would pay me all the money in the world for any of my properties. It's like a Mona Lisa to them. The Saudis would give me anything. That's how I value my things. Where The Saudis would pay, would pay anything. So one of the things that the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund uh, puts money into is a golf tournament called Live. The Live Golf Tournament recently acquired a major stake in the PGA, which Donald Trump boasted about and said, this is great news. Um, and Liv's played golf tournaments at all of Donald Trump's golf courses to enrich Donald Trump. Here's one such example. And when Donald Trump is asked about you know, this is, there's a lot of people who have concerns about this golf tournament because of the Saudis' involvement in 9-11. What do you think? And Donald Trump spreads the conspiracy and says, actually, nobody's really gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Play this clip. You're so closely associated with the city of New York. Yeah. You, of all people, understand the passion surrounding 9-11. What do you say to those family members who protest protested earlier this week and will be doing so again on Friday? Well, nobody's gotten to the bottom of 9-11, unfortunately, and they should have, as to the maniacs that did that horrible thing to our city, to our country, to the world. So nobody's really been there, but I can tell you that... Uh, there are a lot of really great people that are out here today, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to celebrate. Going to have a lot of fun. We're going to celebrate. People have not gotten to the bottom of it. I mean, just think about that language. And I say this time and time again on the show. There was a time where it would be disqualifying if a person seeking major political office spelled potato wrong, if you shouted the wrong way. 
The modern day MAGA Republican has no depths of depravity where they just even say things like this about 9-11. And this isn't like, oh, Ben, you're just being a liberal. This is a progressive. No, this is just, I'm just showing you what they're saying. And I'm saying I'm not okay with the things that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump has said. It's not a liberal or progressive. I'm just saying I'm not okay with that. And even a few years ago, that wouldn't be exactly a considered a liberal position to say something like that. I mean, it's it's gotten so extreme. We speak often on this show about the Overton window being pushed further and further to the right. And that's what's happened where we are having a media that is normalizing these sorts of statements and goes, oh, that's just Trump being Trump again. Uh, look, they're so, so wacky, that guy. And then Biden, at uh, it's past 10 p.m. in uh, Vietnam, and he goes, all right, I'm going to bed. And they go, Biden's going to sleep at night. What? Let's fire up the think pieces right now. It's like, yo, you have a guy, you have a guy who was literally, literally ruled by a judge to be a rapist. Okay. You have a guy who got up on stage and said that he wants to terminate the constitution, that he wants to sick the department of justice on his political enemies. And you're running with President Biden wanted to go to sleep at night after a long trip overseas. It is the most insane media coverage I have ever seen. And we're going to dig deep into all of that. But what this MAGA movement really right now has become is it's become a vacuum for all the worst in us. It's become a vacuum for the worst in the United States of America. So in order to be on Team MAGA, in order to be accepted by this deranged cult, you have to embrace these deranged range conspiracy theories. So we even see these other candidates that are MAGA friendly candidates who are kind of just there in a lot of ways to boost Trump, to try to buddy up with Trump for positions in his administration or VPs. I'm talking about here Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> who he made a comment recently. He was speaking with the reporter and he said, quote, I think it is legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were on the plane that hit the Twin Towers? Maybe the answer a zero. It's probably zero for all I know, right? I have no reason to think it was anything else, but we must do a comprehensive assessment of what happened on 9-11, and that should absolutely be an answer the public knows the answer to. So you have Ramaswamy just asking questions, just asking questions. Maybe the feds were behind 9-11, and he gets praised by MAGA for that. He gets welcomed in. His poll numbers go up in this new Republican party when he says stuff like that. And of course, the first time he's caught with it, what does he do? He goes, I never said that. I, I never said such a thing. And then the reporter goes, I have the tape of you saying it and releases the tape. And then he has to like double down on it. And then he goes, oh, of course I said that, but I was just saying we need an investigation. I was just asking questions. The consistency of their answers doesn't even matter, um, but they just spew this conspiratorial nonsense and then double down with more lies, more fabrications. And that's what this movement thrives on, disinformation and lies. Their first instinct, Brett, to your point, is lying. Like the Ramaswamy clip is is the perfect example of that. Lie, and then when I get back to the to the corner with truth and facts, try and figure out more ways to lie, even staring in the face of evidence. I mean, we've seen Trump do it in the last six, but we've seen Trump do it forever. It's unbelievable. 
And Jordy, one of the things I spoke about in the article that uh, you know that, that you referenced earlier, I wrote an article on, on MidasTouch.com, kind of speaking about how we went from 9-11 to Trump. And I think a lot of the distrust back then that was sowed by Republicans to get us into war, to pass these horrific bills that infringed on the rights of Americans, I think a lot of these lies, once we went into Iraq, when millions of people died overseas, when we did horrific, horrific things, when all of that happened and then it turned out all the reasons that our so-called leaders told us were complete BS, complete lies. I think there was a lot of distrust towards the federal government, towards our institutions. And people were like, I don't trust these people at all. They lied on such a large scale. They got us in all of these wars. They passed all of these bills. I don't know what to trust about it. They said Iraq was behind 9-11. That wasn't true. What else are they lying about? And this distrust fomented and it grew and it grew and it grew. And it led to people like Donald Trump being able to come out and say, you know what, everything everyone else is telling you, all the official narratives, they're all lies. They're all BS. You know who's telling the truth? Me. Me. And people bought it. And that's one of the reasons why we got Donald Trump, because they preferred to take his lies over those original lies. But the answer to lies and fabrications isn't more lies and fabrications, it's the truth. And we need to be absolutely clear about what is the truth, what are the lies. And I think that's part of all of our jobs here, everyone who listens to this show, to call it out. There are objective facts. There are actual things in black and white that we could call out and say, this is right, this is wrong. And it's about time that everybody started to do that. Well, and we need large media. I mean, I guess we don't need large media to do it anymore. I mean, they've just tapped out, you know, and it's allowed networks like this that report on objective truths. And they could come in, these large media networks, and go, oh, by saying all these things about Donald Trump, these people are hyper partisan political leftists. I mean, they can do this, they could do the name calling, but the community of people who follow us know that the most important thing in this community is going through the documents, is going through the videos. Like when we started creating videos on Midas Touch, we would just show the videos of like, that's how we got our start. We didn't use narrators because we couldn't afford narrators. Like we, we so, <laughs> so, so all we would do is say, here's what he's saying. Here's what he said before, and then you'd put them together. Here's what she's saying. Here's what they're saying. Put the videos of them together and just say, these are their words. And people are like, well, you just took a snippet. It's like, I took the main thing that you said, okay? You know, it's a two-minute ad. I'm happy to show you the longer format, which is what we do now as a news network. Okay, I'll, sh I'll show you a longer portion of it. But all we're doing here is like, this is what this person said. What do you think about that? This is what this person said. What, what do you think about that? Speaking of which, though, I just want to show for comparison what Biden was saying on 9-11 in real time and the type of leadership he was showing then as the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Here, let's play this clip. The tendency in these circumstances is to be too focused on one man, one idea, one prospect. I think that we should be calm. Those of us who hold high public office, just calm down a little bit, collect our thoughts, collect the information, and in a methodical way, analyze what we know happened and what we can derive from that. 
I think it's much too early for us to make those kinds of judgments. The first thing is what the president is doing. He called for calm. He's getting in the airplane. He's coming back to Washington, D.C., and I applaud him for that. And we should be back up and running as quickly as we can. Uh, and I think we should do that. This cannot be dealt with overnight. It's an incredible tragedy. But it's the new threat of the 21st century that we are now facing. And we're going to find a way to deal with it. This nation is too big, too strong, too united, too, too much a, a power in terms of our cohesion and our values to let this break us apart. And it won't happen. It won't happen. Now, think about the contrast between the video we showed you earlier of Donald Trump saying he had an amazing phone call and now he's got the tallest building in Manhattan as a result of 9-11, okay? Compare that to President Biden right there calling for calm, calling for patience, calling for national unity. And, and by the way, reminded me a little bit, and you, you said this in our, in our side chat, Brett, looked a lot like Gavin Newsom there as well in both language and, and, and conduct right there. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, that, that, that's, it, it, the, the resemblance is fairly kind of, un, you know, it was kind of uncanny there. Okay, so I think it's important that we set that foundation though, right? Because you have two people though, who are telling us who they are back then, right? And let's kind of fast forward now and let's bring us to the present moment to 2023. In the past few days, what's going on? What's Donald Trump doing? What's President Biden doing? Well, Donald Trump is in South Dakota and he's giving a speech there. Um, and I wanna show you just some of the lowlights of this speech that he gave in South Dakota. And then I want to read for you how the local media, which is run by big business and big big corporations, but still local, but how they're covering. And I could show you a bunch of other coverage. Trust me, it's consistent with the exact one I'm showing you. I'm not going to spend the whole day going through lots of other coverage. But here's what Donald Trump was doing at the rally. So in this clip, he's saying how he told Kim Jong-un to build condos on North Korea's beautiful shoreline. Play this clip. I went over there. You remember that? It was a very historic moment. Went over there. And I said to Kim Jong-un, you know, being a real estate guy, it's just sort of natural. I said, you have the most beautiful shoreline. Think of it. You're between China, Russia, and South Korea. Look at the beautiful shore. You could have the most beautiful condos that you've ever seen and become rich as hell. You don't have to live like you're living. But he's a tough guy, he's a smart guy, and uh, he just loves collecting nuclear weapons. That's what he does, he collects nuclear weapons. And, and uh, we got along incredibly well once we met and once we started the whole thing. And we saved the Olympics in South Korea because nobody was going, nobody wanted to be blown out of the stadium. And we came along. They actually participated in the Olympics. We had a great, we had a great relationship and it would have been greater. We would have had a deal done long ago if the election weren't rigged. I mean, then you have the audience there cheering him on as he's talking about North Korea and and the dictator. <laughs> like, like it's it's really a crazy event. Uh -huh. he, here is Donald Trump saying he could have made a lot of money from the Saudis if he wanted to while in office. Play this clip. Because I'm working for you, I'm not working for me. That I can tell you. Oh. Uh, I could have made so much, I could have made. Sir, we'd love to do a deal in Saudi Arabia. Sir, we'd love to do a deal here and there. We'd love to do a deal. I really can't do that, I'm president. Biden would do it. 
So we just, uh, we did it right. We did the right thing. And I do it exactly that way again. I will do it that way again. Look, we have a very short period of time. I mean, who even talks like that? I could have made so much. I could have made so much. Like, what is that, right? As I say, like, setting aside for the fact that we're all of the crimes he's been charged with that we know that he's committed and setting aside, put that aside for a second. When you watch that, it's like, what the, what the heck is that? How, like, how are you watching that and being like, you know what, the guy that's talking like, like a crazy person that probably needs some help to be, I don't know, move somewhere. I, I, how are you like, that's my guy. That's the dude I stand behind. What, what, I didn't see those clips prior to the show. That was banana land. (laughs) I got another one. I got another one for you. This is Trump calling on Republicans to defund the prosecutors investigating him. Play this clip. We can't have that. I hope that's why Steve and his friends, because he's got some great ones over there, but I hope the Senate gets tough because the House has been, the House has been working hard, but the Senate under this guy, Mitch McConnell, has been a disaster. And they should immediately defund the DOJ and prosecutors who are trying to take conservatives and Republicans out of political races through indictments and other illegal means. That's what they're doing. You know, if I was in third or fourth place, or if I wasn't running, I'd be living the life of Riley. I wouldn't be here with you tonight. I'd be living the life. I wouldn't be with you, schmuckos. I wouldn't be with you, Insulting <laughs> them yeah, to their faces. Yeah. <laughs> he does that often, right? He he often insults the audience. So what he's just talking about, Mitch McConnell running the Senate. Mitch McConnell doesn't run the Senate. The Democrats control the Senate. I don't even know. Like I don't even know what he's talking about. For for you know, for a party that constantly is uh, going on and on about Biden's age and mental acuity, Donald Trump says things that truly make you question his mental acuity all of the time. And yeah. Trump is just as old as Biden, basically. It's like a few years difference. It's not really that much of a difference here. And the things Biden's and the things that Trump says, he's either uh, mentally incompetent or 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 lying. Okay. I'll, I'll give you two those two options. So Republicans can decide which one he's doing um, on a on a play-by-play basis, but it's either one of those two because he doesn't seem to understand basic facts or how things. So Subpoena. I never heard of the word subpoena. Indictment. What's an indictment? Like it's like the weird. It's the weirdest, dumbest shtick on the planet. And they're like, yeah, he doesn't know what that word means. Great in, job. In, in addition to calling for defunding the FBI and the DOJ mm-hmm. in that clip, and calling for Republicans to help him out, like all things that are just completely violative of our constitution. He then goes to the audience and calls them schmucks and calls, and I wouldn't be here with you filthy schmucks. And then they all, and then they all, then they all go, yeah. And, 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 and that's why, that's why, again, I go, I go, we're all, we're all watching the same thing. Like we're all seeing that. And again, we're going to get I remember to him doing that during me. the 2016 campaign, during the 2020 campaign when he was like, oh, I'm in Alabama again. Ugh, you know, I wouldn't be here if I weren't running for president. But here I am. I'm like, what is who says that to you the, a crowd? Show, this one, Trump then calls to prosecute 
his political enemies. He says that he will have his AG prosecute his political enemies for anything. He doesn't care what, if he gets back into office. And then just watch even though the speech, like as he's talking and they go, ah, like it just, you'll see as he goes like that. And, and, it, and, and, and again, it's just not normal behavior. Just watch what he does here. Biggest fear that everybody has. Our momentum is unprecedented and hopefully unstoppable. And that's the reason that Joe Biden's ordered his leading opponent arrested on 91 fake and phony charges. 91. How many charges are there? But we're going to ask for dismissals of a lot of it. Most of it is just you ask for dismissal. It's called dismiss the charges. But remember, it's a it's a Democrat charging his opponent. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. That means that if I win and somebody wants to run against me, I call my attorney general. I say, listen, indict him. <laughs> well, he hasn't done anything wrong that we know. Of. I don't know. Indict him on income tax evasion. You'll figure it out. And, you know, the good thing with me is I have a big voice and people know me and you know me for a long time. But people know me and I'm able to speak. But if you're a regular politician, a really good politician, an honest politician, and you get indicted, you get a subpoena and that gets reported in the paper and the news, you have to leave office. And the Republicans in the Senate and the Republicans in the House cannot let this go on because people are being destroyed. Lives are being destroyed by these sick lunatics in Washington. I mean, you see, there's like, again, nothing normal about that. And then some, someone else pointed out in the chat, they go, did you see when the crowd chanted when he says that Kim Jong-un collects nukes? Yeah, that's the MAGA crowd was erupting in applause when Donald Trump said that Kim Jong-un collects nuclear weapons. That is the MAGA base, Brett. Let me call something else out from the clip that we just played that I didn't even quite pick up on until just now. And that is that Trump says during that statement, he says, if I win my opponent, I will tell the AG then to prosecute them. If he wins, that would theoretically, and God forbid, if he wins, that would be his second term in office. That would be his final term in office. He would not be running against anybody in the future. But you also have Trump kind of subtly there telegraphing that if he gets into power, he does not intend to leave office. Mm. And I think we need to pick up on his language there of what he intends to do. The same way that a Vladimir Putin has elections and they he wins by 97% every time, right? That's the same thing that Trump is clearly plotting right here on stage live in South Dakota and the people are cheering for it. Show you this next clip, Jay, because you haven't seen some of these. This is Donald. This is Donald Trump whining in front of the crowd, saying that he is the only president to lose money in office again, which is one he didn't lose money in office. He made a huge amount of money with all of the foreign influence getting poured into his various hotels and properties in order to basically bribe him. It's it's also simply just not true that I mean there are other presidents, mostly all of the other ones don't actually enrich themselves at all. They they put their tax returns to the public. And mm -hmm. anyway, here he, he, here's Donald Trump whining that he lost money while in office to this crowd like as though as though like this is an issue like that that like human beings 
should care about. But MAGA, they feel bad for the billionaire who grifts off of them. Play this clip. Uh, an evening of firsts, but something which uh, I proudly state that I'm the only president that ever lost money while serving in office, and I knew that would happen. I didn't know it was going to be that much. That's a lot. I lost a lot of number of billions. But I knew it was part of the game, and that's what I intended. I didn't intend. I could have made a fortune. Oh, I could have gone to these countries and made deals. You know, I put things in trust. I said, my kids are going to run it. I said, don't do deals outside of the country. Don't do this. Don't. They were going, Dad, can we do something? They said, no, you know, I'm president. We have a higher standard. And then I come out and I watch this Biden stuff. With They go to make deals with countries that it's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. Right. It's all, it, sorry, go. <laughs> no, you go. I was going to say, it's all, it's obviously all deflection. And he is trying to condition his audience to think that everybody else out there are the one doing the things that he's actually doing. His family made so much money from the office. Jared Kushner, in particular, left that job and cashed a $2 billion check from the Saudis. So I don't even want to hear it. And that's not even getting into all the investigations to how Trump ran his hotel in DC. And let's not forget that just recently a deposition was released with Trump and the attorney general's office where he said under oath that the value of the Trump brand increased while he was president. That was one of his excuses he made for overvaluing his properties. He was talking about the Trump brand and how the Trump brand is now hotter than ever and he could sell all those buildings right now for as much money as he wants to the Saudis because the Trump name is so hot. So that's what he said under oath recently. And Ben, I'll let you add to it. He goes, I lost many billions. Again, one of the whole things that they many billions. Okay, just may, the whole thing that the New York Attorney General is suing for is that he just throws that around. Billion here, billion there. He just makes up fake and fraudulent valuations all the time. And then at the end, he's kind of just again making sounds. It's not if you just it's not even a sentence that he says at the end. He goes and I went to my kids. I'm like I mean if you if you watch that again, I told my kids you put it in a trust. I'm like, I don't, there's, you're not even putting together a set. You're just, again, making noises at this point. And Brad, I'll throw it to you. But I, I want to mention one thing from Popak did an incredible hot take on this this morning. I hope everybody watched it. So this New York Attorney General case, which is scheduled to go to mm-hmm. trial October 2nd, lots of people think there's going to be a jury trial. And there should be a jury trial, but there's not going to be a jury trial. You know why? Because Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Haba, forgot to post the fees and give the notice to request a jury. In New York, within 15 days of a lawsuit, you have to make a jury demand. And the New York attorney general did not make a jury demand. So Donald Trump accidentally, which in my opinion could be legal malpractice, waived the jury trial. And that's why it's going to go in front of Judge Arthur and Goron. And a lot of people forgot that fact. And, and Goron's already made findings before that Donald Trump has, in, has engaged in the underlying conduct. And it's going to be the judge, not a jury, because Alina Haba screwed it up. Also, just the most incompetent people also. Sorry, I, I wanted to mention that. No, no, no. Uh, so sh- sh- should we talk about how the media covered this rally now? One, and- one second, yes. But first, let's just show, because I want to do all of it. So let's just also show when Trump went to this Iowa-Iowa State game. Look, there. to be fair, 
there were people who clapped for him at this event. Okay. It's Iowa. It's a state that he won. And the places Donald Trump goes to are often very carefully choreographed as well. So he can get cheers and applause, but he was also booed. Here are the photos of him getting the middle finger as well. And these are just photos of things that objectively like occurred while he was there. People in the crowd went up to the glass wall and gave him the middle finger. A lot of people gave him the middle finger, and there were people who cheered for him. But he showed up to a state that he thought he was going to be beloved, and I would call it at best a mixed a mixed reaction. And at you know, and at worst for him, it was a pretty humiliating experience. I think that's a fair and objective way to describe. Totally. The sky is blue as the sky is blue of, of, of what went down. And play this video clip of Donald Trump being um, booed largely. But again, there are some claps. Play this clip. Okay, so that what you saw the photos. You I think saw they the were saying Bruce. <laughs> so, so, so let's take a look though at how the media covered both the Iowa Iowa State thing that we all just saw with our eyes, as well as the South Dakota speech that again we all saw with our eyes. So here is again local media, but it's controlled by you know large corporations. That let's start with the Iowa one first. Because um, we just saw the booze. Donald Trump greeted with cheers and chants at Iowa versus Iowa football game. A large group of excited Cyclone and Hawkeye fans crowded onto a terrace at Jack Trice Stadium Saturday, briefly united in chanting the same name. Trump, 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 they cheered, waiting for the former president to emerge from a private suite where he watched the annual in-state rivalry game that pits the University of Iowa and Iowa State University against each other. The political gamesmanship briefly overshadowed the football game playing out on the field below as a mob of supporters peered around the glass window, shouting for Trump's attention and erupting into applause when they caught sight of him. All right. That's the coverage of that, that he got in Iowa. <laughs> Did Trump write that? That's absolutely but the same it's almost like and, it, and it's not ai but it's as if you put the inputs in for the local media because they're written the same almost like kind of corny kind of teenage style like the way those books like describe an atmosphere, you know, like a sports story that's maybe given to an eighth grader. Yes. Like some like, of the comments just said it yes. reads like a teen romance novel. A and, teen romance, exactly. 
It does <laughs> read like a teen romance novel. And if you thought that was romancing uh, Trump, uh, if you want to say, just wait until you read the article in this local South Dakota paper, because this I, I had to like rub my eyes. I think I had to take a shower after I read this. I might have to take another <laughs> one after I read this again to everybody. I was like, this is freaking crazy. We all watch these clips, right? Every single person who was watching or listening to this, you just heard Donald Trump say that he's going to sick his attorney general on his future political opponents. You saw him praise and, and shower love on Kim Jong-un. You saw him say, I wish I made so much money from the Saudis. And you saw him call on the Republicans to defund the prosecutors. You just witnessed all of this. Now, let me tell you how this was sanitized and how this was displayed to the people who picked up this South Dakota paper. Here we go. Ben, do you want to read this? <laughs> oh, my, so my, my, yeah. So it says, it goes, thousands of voices chanting, we loved Trump echoed through the Monument Ice Arena Friday evening, accompanying the sea of Trump 2024 signs, dancing to an eclectic mix of music while thousands waited for former President Donald Trump. The South Dakota GOP Monumental Leaders Rally billed as a fundraiser for the state's party, but doubling as a campaign event for former President Donald Trump sold out the arena with an estimated 7,000 people in a Attendance. Programming began at 5.30 p.m. with an introduction and prayer by Rapid City Mayor Jason Salamoon before a lineup of South Dakota's top Republicans took the stage. Republican South Dakota School and Public Lands Commissioner Brock Greenfield drew cheers from the crowd when he said, Trump would get to enjoy saying, Joe, you're fired on his first day in office. State Treasurer Josh Hader led a brief chorus of Let's Go Brandon, while Lieutenant Governor Larry Roden reiterated the belief that South Dakota is the freest state in the nation. Cheers and God bless America flowed freely, as did the Secret Service agents and local law enforcement that paced the floor between red, white, and blue clad rally goers. After a 30-minute stream of speakers came to a nearly hour-long pause during which food and alcohol sales were suspended, leading the crowd to become restless and occasionally chant, we want Trump. It, it, it is <laughs> That is that is atrocious. That is yeah, I, I keep reading the comments. Ban fa bad fan fiction. That is bad fan fiction. Whoever did that, that is absolute journal malpractice, journalistic malpractice. And this was in the Rapid City Journal. It's the local paper for Rapid City, South Dakota. It's what everyone will read in the morning after they hear about this rally when they go online. This is the news that is getting delivered to them. And by the way, I looked this up because I was curious. I was wondering how are these things being being covered in the localities. Mm -hmm. How are covered there. I know how I'm hearing it, you know, from us. I know how I see it from certain people on Twitter. I know how certain people uh, are are talking about this who I who I speak with, but how is this actually being covered locally on the ground? And I read this. 
I looked up even the ABC News coverage. I was like, okay, ABC News mm-hmm. did a primetime hit on this rally. Let me see what they said. And it wasn't that different. It wasn't as glowy, we want Trump, but it, it was kind of like Donald Trump took the stage and showed his strength and prowess in front of a uproarious crowd, the first event since his indictment in Georgia. And they didn't even go the indictment. They said like the mugshot. Like mug they shot. acted like he just got like a, like he did like a, like a, like a photo, photo spread. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was appalled. And when you see stuff like this, you begin to understand a little bit when you see, and I do think all these polls are, are, are total BS, but it, you start to understand his popularity with people in these states when they receive a sanitized version of the truth, which mm-hmm. is just utter lies, which is just taking his overtly fascist statements, sanitizing them as some sort of form of American exceptionalism, pitting him as this hero to vanquish Joe Biden in front of a glowing crowd who's praising his every move ignoring the fact that he is telegraphing that he wants to be an autocratic dictator taking over the country. How or what are we doing here? What are we doing? And Let me just make thing. this one comment real quick on the Iowa, Iowa State game, Ben, before you dive in. It was a major miscalculation by the Trump campaign. They thought they were taking him to some UFC event where he tends to get the ridiculous cheers and applause from those types of crowds. And it was obviously very much not like that. And what I loved what we do here is we show you you all the clips. And that's why you guys tune into the Midas Touch Network is because this is what we do. Here are the clips. Here's what happened. And now what do we have to do? We have to show you how this is being reported by legacy media and local media because it's important to then understand just to Brett's point how that disinformation and misinformation starts to spread. Because if you read those articles, you're like, that man was loved by the Iowa, Iowa State crowd. We have literal pictures. of. I mean, hang that one photo in, 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 in a museum, Brett, of the one guy right. flipping him off with Trump right in his and line of sight. I mean, it's here, unbelievable what they get away with here here's what the trump campaign is is good at they bring trump to friendly locations and they make sure that they know every individual in the crowd they yeah. at least the 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 demographics of everyone in the crowd if they're trump supporters or if they're not and if they're not they kick them out because they know they could stage these little moments of people applauding in a specific small area in a cuban restaurant and whatever they do these are telegraphed by their campaign for these moments but what and and by the way desantis does the same thing in many respects but his campaign is terrible at it they were okay with it in florida once they left the state they are like the worst ever like just getting humiliated left and right. But Trump's campaign is actually quite good at that. Um, You know, you just have to see through their techniques and their strategies and what these kind of propaganda attacks that they're doing actually is. But you see, once they leave those bubbles, once they leave those preset areas that they have set up for the campaign and go out into the real world, that's when you start to see the protesters. That's when you start to see the backlash. Those are the only day, those are the only parts of their days that they cannot control, where you actually see how real people are reacting to Donald Trump, to Ron DeSantis, to any of these candidates, quite frankly. I have no problem at all if a reporter wants to say there was a group of people who were chanting Trump, 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 okay? But also, don't gaslight me. There was a lot of booze. There was a lot of people with the middle fingers. You know, you want to talk about South Dakota? You want to say that there were 7,000 people and they were erupting in chants? 
Perhaps you should mention they were erupting in chants when Donald Trump praised Kim Jong-un's collection of nuclear weapons. Mm. And then say that and say that that is dangerous and that is problematic because if you took a photograph of what was going on there and you were to say, here's what's in that, 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 that to me is what I want reporting to be about. And, you know, and if you want to share your opinion, you know, make sure it's rooted in the facts. And I know that, you know, ABC will go, well, we're just trying to be objective. Actually, you're not, you've lost all objectivity. You've now hoisted up a dictator. You know, this local media, what, what the heck is that? That looks like it was written Kim Jong-un style propaganda. Like you can't make that up. And then they work in overdrive to then go after Joe Biden. And what we're going to show you in a little bit is these headlines where objectively Joe Biden did, President Biden did some great work internationally. He had some major wins. He worked really hard overseas. He's also done some incredible things that aren't even getting any credit at all, like how the CHIPS Act has put America on a path to beat China in the race for semiconductor supremacy, and how, if you look at it, China's economy is actually struggling right now, while America's, of all G7 nations right now, has the top GDP and the lowest inflation. Like actual things that I know Republicans talk about all the time, like they're actually going on with Biden's policies, not performative nonsense. And then you get headlines like President Biden went to bed and that's really concerning because he's old. The headlines are not much different than what I just said. And I want to talk about that as well. Also, I want to remind everybody about our Patreon. And on this next Patreon, I want to hear from the after show that we do. I want to hear from Brett. And I want to hear from Brett about his editing skills. And I want a behind the scenes peek into editing how Brett edits, his editing strategies, how he went to film school, how that informed his things. I want to hear, we heard from Jordy's background. We have Michael Popak and Karen Freeman Agnifilo's origin story. I want to hear all about, if you want to know how we make our videos, how we edit the videos, the technical things that go into it, we're going to make that available on our after show. Everybody, you go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. You spell it M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. We do our after show after this show. The after show is about... It's a special podcast, and we don't have outside investors here in the Midas Touch Network, so the way we help build this network is through our Patreon, also separately through the emojis and the memberships you see here today. Um, not the greatest business model, but that's how we build this network. Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. It takes us a little bit of time to record after, but then that will be loaded, and you'll get access to all of our exclusive podcasts on all Patreon. And you'll help support the network. And when we come back, I want to talk about what President Biden was doing abroad. I also want to talk about how the media was covering that so you can see the contrast there. Also, let's talk about um, Donald Trump trying to recuse federal judge Tanya Chutkin and more. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Heart health and staying healthy, especially when you have a family that you want to be able to spend as much time with as possible 
is so important. We all have a heartfelt reason to support our blood pressure. In fact, more than half the U.S. population would benefit from blood pressure support. Superbeats Heart Shoes are an easy and convenient way to support healthy blood pressure, and they promote heart-healthy energy. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Super Beats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 30,000 five-star reviews and counting, Super Beats Heart Shoes are having their moment. Super Beats Heart Shoes are incredibly delicious and so much better than any alternative supplements out there. I take my Super Beats Heart Shoes each morning and it's really kickstarted my morning routine so I have the energy to do my hot takes on the Midas Touch Network. After taking my Super Beats Heart Shoes, I feel like I have more energy and am ready to take on the day. Super Beats Heart Shoes support healthy circulation so you not only get blood pressure support, you also get productive heart-healthy energy without the crash. Support your heart health with Super Beats Heart Shoes. Get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Shoes and a free full-size bag of turmeric chews valued at $25 by going to MidasBeats.com. Get this exclusive offer only at MidasBeats.com. You spell that M-E-I-D-A-S. B-E-E-T-S dot com. That's Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S, B-E-E-T-S dot com. Go check it out. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Mosh. As the years progress, it's so important to stay on top of your mental health and fitness. Frankly, life it gets busy. And sometimes you end up sacrificing good foods and snacks for unhealthy ones strictly because they may seem more convenient. Now, whether at the gym, on the go, or between meals with the fam, Mosh Protein Bars are the smart snack to keep your brain and body fit-fueled and feeling good. With six delicious flavors, each Mosh Bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein and made with ingredients that support brain health, like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, Mosh Protein Bars are the guilt-free snack your brain and body will crave. Your brain, it's your number one tool, which is why Mosh Protein Bars were mindfully formulated by some of the world's top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. Founded by Patrick Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, Mosh is a mission-driven brain health and wellness company that donates a portion of all proceeds to support women's brain research through the Women's Alzheimer's Movement at Cleveland Clinic. I absolutely love Mosh Protein Bars. They're delicious. They're savory. They're the perfect smart snack to keep your brain and body fit-fueled and feeling good. We're constantly doing different videos or podcasts here or just a bunch of different tasks. So I'm able to enjoy Mosh Protein Bars easily and enjoyably throughout the day whenever I need it. Don't settle with a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. So whether you're at the gym, on the go, or just living your best life, Mosh Protein Bars will keep your brain and body fit-fueled and feeling good. Head to moshlife.com slash Midas to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack, which includes all six mouth-watering flavors. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Midas. 
Welcome back. I love it, Jordy. We are live on the Midas Touch podcast. And moments before we went live, Donald Trump filed a recusal motion for federal judge Tanya Chutkin, a very, in my opinion, frivolous recusal motion. And Donald Trump argued that statements that Judge Chutkin previously made in her sentencing, although he didn't really describe it as her sentencing of January 6th insurrectionist, he says that that makes her bias and therefore she needs to be disqualified from the case. <laughs> Recall the indictment was brought at the beginning of August. So Donald Trump has now waited over a month to bring this recusal motion. He also brought the recusal motion about two weeks after the August 28th hearing before Judge Chutkin, where his lawyers lost their attempt to try to indefinitely delay the uh, trial. Trump wanted the trial in 2026. Judge Chutkin set the trial date for March 4th of 2024. Just to remind people again, this is the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith for Donald Trump's attempt to overthrow the results of the 2020 election. And so the question is, well, why is Donald Trump bringing this recusal motion now? Why wouldn't he bring it before making filings with the court, because in many ways he's basically accepted the court's ability to make rulings. Well, one, he's a sore loser, but two, everybody knows my impressions of Mark Levin. Mark Levin's <laughs> on, uh, you know, Mar Mark Levin is on Fox and he does, he basically, it looks like he coordinates these things, you know, with Donald Trump or that Donald Trump relies on, on him. But, you know, Mark Levin was a right-wing talk show host who got more and more extreme as he realized that if he could just yell and appeal to people's worst selves, that that's how he can make the most money. And now with Tucker gone, he sees, a, you know, more of even an open lane for himself. And he basically says the nastiest of the nasty stuff, right? He's the one who's like, Judge Tanya Chuckin, she's a Marxist. She's a Marxist. Arrest her. And then Donald Trump reposts that and, and then goes, I didn't do anything. I was just reposting what Mark Levin says. So play this video if we can of Mark Levin last night saying that Judge Chutkin needs to go. You need to file a recusal motion right now, Donald Trump. Play, play, play the clip. No. Trumpkin clearly shares that view. On many occasions, the judge has insisted the 2020 election was legitimate and fully vetted by the court system, a claim disputed by Trump that lies at the heart of the case she is now hearing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's case after case after case in the sentencing part of these trials or these plea agreements where Trumpkin comments on the election, comments on what took place, makes comments about Trump either directly or um, in, in, a, in an ambiguous way that is intended to raise uh, the fact that it's Trump. You can tell she has an incredible, intense animus towards Trump, and she's supposed to be the judge. And she's supposed to be the judge. Yeah, you sound just like you really the guy. And impression is incredible. But just let's 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 break down what Mark Levin says about Judge Chutkin, who he does the thing that all Fox hosts do and mispronounces the name on purpose. He calls her Chuntkin uh, throughout the clip. Uh, OK, um, but one of the his, his argument, his argument. Are you are you sitting down? 
is that because Judge Chutkin believes that the election was a legitimate election, that makes her a biased judge in the case. So what does that mean? You need to have a judge who was an election denier? Could you imagine using that excuse in any other scenario whatsoever? It is the most farcical, most absurd statement possible to make. And so Donald Trump hears that from Mark Levin, and then he goes the next day, and he goes and he files this motion for recusal, spouting the same things like verbatim that Mark Levin just said on his show. It is absolutely batshit. Could you imagine, Jerry, if you got like a speeding ticket and you were like, that judge believes in, in numbers. I need a judge who doesn't believe in numbers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's like, what do you, what the heck are you talking about? The other thing about Levin is, are you guys picking up on this too? Every time we show him, he's looking more and more like Mike Lindell. <laughs> in their mannerisms, yeah, he, in their speech, in their defense of, of Trump. They, they, yeah, but, but that's with anybody who stays too close to Trump for too long. Jordy, it's like those meth ads that they that they used to show in like middle school. It's like meth, not even once. MAGA, not even once. MAGA, you know, they not even once. Before. That's good. That's really, really good. This is a direct quote from Judge Chutkin, not Judge Chunkin, from Judge Chutkin. And this is what she said at a hearing that Donald Trump says should make her disqualified. This is what Trump says is bias against him. This is a quote from her in her sentencing. She goes, she's referring to one of the January 6th insurrectionists who's there in the courtroom to her lawyer. Um, she goes, he went to the Capitol because despite election results, which were clear cut, despite the fact that multiple court challenges all over the country had rejected every single one of the challenges to the election, Mr. Palmer didn't like the result. He didn't like the result and he didn't want the transition of power to take place because his guy lost. And it is true, Mr. Palmer, you have made a very good point, one that has been made before, that the people who exhorted you and encouraged you and rallied you to go and take action and to fight have not been charged. That is not the court's position. I don't charge anybody. I don't negotiate plea offers. I don't make charging decisions. I sentence people who have pleaded guilty or who have been convicted. The issue of who has or who has not been charged is not before me. I don't have any influence on that. I have my opinions, but they are not relevant, is what she says. And so Donald Trump cites that she says she has opinions. And that that means that she is biased against him. Isn't that Donald Trump just kind of telling on himself there? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's almost like him. Yeah, it's almost like him admitting to the crime in a, in a, in, a, in a roundabout way. And he's basically just saying like, I need a judge who does not agree with reality. Like, I'm sorry, you're like, you're not going to get that. That's not a reason for a recusal because you want a judge who believes that the election was actually stolen. You want a judge that believes in your conspiracy theories. Haven't you lost enough in court and realize that nobody is going to help you here? Notice he never says any of this stuff about uh, Eileen Cannon. I don't see a uh, a recusal motion uh, heading Eileen Cannon's way. That seems, mm. he seems to, he got the luck of the draw in, in that one, but Jack Smith continues 
continues to outmaneuver and outplay <laughs> her in that situation because of her incompetence as well. But I, I, I mean, and isn't it Judge Chutkin's, uh, isn't it her decision as to whether she recuses ultimately? Like what happens from here? I know uh, yeah. she filed a minute order and her minute order now says that Jack Smith needs to file his response to this and go through that motion. And so what, what, what happens next? She's been consistent in having an expedited docket, and she demanded, requested that Jack Smith file his brief this week. And so everything's going to be handled, the same expedited schedule that she's had. She's the one who ultimately rules on her own recusal. She did not self-recuse. So if she believed there to be any bias, she would have recused herself already. Um, and she did not. She was aware of the other sentencing that occurred when she took the case. And she's going to have expedited briefing. And eventually, I'm very confident she's going to reject the recusal request. But think about that. Now, compare it. You mentioned Judge Eileen Cannon, who was appointed by Donald Trump and who was previously overturned twice by the Court of Appeals for assuming jurisdiction in a 2022 matter over Donald Trump unlawfully in a case involving Donald Trump. And the reason Cannon was overturned is because she said presidents are different. Donald Trump is different than the normal standard for jurisdiction. And he should be treated differently after he's in office than every other American. That was her reason why she exercises extraordinary jurisdiction when no court in the history of America has before. And the 11th Circuit said, no, former presidents don't get special treatment. And they overturned her not once, but twice. So when that case went before her, Cannon didn't think that there was a conflict of interest there. Um, It just goes to show you, though, again, this is the playbook that Donald Trump's going to run. And over and over and over again, this is what MAGA lawyering looks like. And then when it's denied, what are they going to do? Mark Levin's going to go, look, the Marxist communists rejected it. And that's why this is happening. You know, that's the playbook that they run. But compare that, Brett, what's going on with President Biden's trip, though? Because it's important that you know, we know what President Biden's doing in Asia and also very quietly uh, when the semiconductors, you know, India and Vietnam, and then and then separately, what Biden is doing in this semiconductor race, that as a result of the chips at, is looking very different than the way it looked two years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot really happening. Um, you know, at first it was in the background, but I think we're starting to see the tangible results of this. I know people have sent us photos of things, uh, signs going up around the country of infrastructure projects in their neighborhoods, and you can look up the in- infrastructure projects online. But they're thankfully starting to put the names of the Infrastructure Act on the billboards where the infrastructure is taking place to let folks know. But first, I'll start with Biden's international trip. I mean, the fact is, President Biden had a great international trip. He was on the international stage at the G20 conference. He flew to uh, New Delhi, India on Friday, and he helped accomplish two critical objectives when he met with these 20 countries. First, he helped usher in this infrastructure project meant to connect India, the Middle East, and Europe with high-speed railways, shipping lines, energy pipelines. And second, he joined other G20 countries to launch the Global Biofuels Alliance, which is a big project meant to invest more in green energy and accelerate the global push to net zero emissions. So those 
those are two things right off the bat that he accomplished while he was there with G20 leaders. And then he went from the G20 meeting to Hanoi, Vietnam to uh, work on our relations with Vietnam. I mean, I'm just going to say this before I even continue. As many of you know, I was in Japan uh, for like 10 days last week. I've been exhausted ever since I came home. (laughs) These international trips are incredibly tiring. And every time I do see somebody like President Biden's schedule and how many, how they fly to these places and have all these meetings and then go to other places and have all these meetings and then fly back to the US and have these ceremonies, it's honestly a grueling, exhausting schedule. Mm -hmm. And it requires a whole lot of stamina, a whole lot of energy to even get through in the first place. So Biden goes to Hanoi, Vietnam. Today, there were these great photos of him at the John McCain Memorial, which is in Hanoi. It's actually right in front. I, I've been here. I showed Jordi and, and, and Ben the photo earlier today of, of me at this location. Um, but I, I've been here, and it's actually right in front of where John McCain's plane had went down um, in Vietnam during the war. And they have this memorial set up for him. And here's President Biden. He wrote, it was here where a Navy lieutenant commander by the name of John McCain was shot down in his Skyhawk. I went to pay my respects and to remember my friend. Even though John is not with us, he left us pretty clear instructions. Believe always in the promise and greatness of America because nothing is inevitable here. I thought that was a really cool moment. And it shows you that President Biden carries around, you know, this old school tradition of bipartisanship. He still believes in that form of American exceptionalism, not the phony patriotism, but the fact that we could all be better when we work together towards a common goal and that we're not supposed to be enemies with one another, something that has gotten lost in the Trump years. Jordy, you did you want to comment on, uh, on that? Yeah, I did, I did because it actually, not that we're closing the show, but it's a great reflection of how we started the show by sort of juxtaposing how Biden reacted the day after 9-11 versus how Trump reacted the day of 9-11. Trump's bragging about his building being the highest. Then you have President Biden, who's Senator Biden at the time, come out and, and applaud Bush, right? Reaching over the aisle, being that bipartisan leader that he's always been. Like these folks have always told you exactly who they are. Flash forward to today, and you have Donald Trump, you know, saying something weird on his golf course, course <laughs> talking about Saudi Arabia, this Saudi Arabia, that we don't even know what happened in 9-11. We should launch another investigation into there. And then you have Biden. What is Biden doing? Biden's visiting McCain, where, where his plane had, had gone down. I mean, these folks have always told you exactly who they are. And remember the comments that Donald Trump has said about John McCain. And remember how he covered up the John McCain ship, covered mm-hmm. up the name on the side of the ship because he hated McCain so much. I, I really think a lot of the integrity and hey, you know, I disagreed with McCain on a whole lot. I think he did. Sure. You know, I, I I think him selecting Sarah Palin and his as his running mate was a horrific decision that helped usher in a lot of what we're seeing today. But John McCain as an individual, I think is a very respected was a very respectable guy. And I think a, a lot of the Republican Party died along with him, that that idea of bipartisanship mm. and this notion that everything is not supposed to be this constant warfare that the Republicans are engaging in right now. The Vietnam and the US also upgraded relations, which is a huge step forward. Like this is a massively underreported story because Vietnam and the US, this this sort of strategic partnership, they call it a quote comprehensive strategic partnership. Vietnam has only had these comprehensive strategic 
strategic partnerships with a select few other countries. And they've been worried to create this comprehensive strategic partnership with the US for fear of angering China. And President Biden made a deal with them to increase our relations with Vietnam. And this is something they only reserve for like a select few countries. They do have this relationship with China, with Russia, with India as of last year, South Korea, and now with the US. But that's a huge step forward for our international relations with Southeast Asia. And we've been seeing a lot of developments with Southeast Asia recently with President Biden getting together South Korea and Japan recently and forming an alliance there. There's a lot of work being done on the foreign, on the international stage that really shows President Biden's foreign policy skills. And I don't think he's getting nearly enough credit based on that. And so after these long days, after he gives all of these speeches, he gives a press conference. And at the end of the press conference, it's like 10 o'clock at night or 930 at night or something at in, in Vietnam. And President Biden goes, okay, that's it. I'm going to bed. Remember, the guy's traveled 8,000 miles. He's done everything that I just spoke about. And so what does the media run with? Do they run with the comprehensive strategic partnership? Do they run with the global biofuels alliance? Do they, rem- do they go do with, they the run with Biden? Biden, everybody erupted. Every, every, everyone erupted <laughs> Biden, Biden, Biden. We love you, Biden. No, they start running with these ridiculous headlines about, oh, Biden says he's going to sleep. Like, uh, these people aren't allowed to go to sleep now. Like, this is the attack. The headlines that I saw about this event, even when they were written about this event, because a lot of people didn't even speak about this event, were just so insane. So, as Biden is overseas, while he's over there doing all this, we're seeing all the photos, we're seeing all the videos of him overseas. Mm-hmm. This is what Axios has to say, okay? Axios goes, one big thing, 2024's witness protection campaign. Joe Biden and Donald Trump are running dueling basement campaigns that make them look like they're in the witness protection program. They say this as President Biden is literally in India, is literally in Hanoi, is at the G20. Like, how could you possibly write that? Biden has been going on trips across the world. Biden, Huffington Post actually did, thankfully they did an analysis, and they they figured out that Biden has actually done more trips both across the United States and internationally at this time of year than Trump ever did. And so like there is no basis in facts for this other than they are just eating up this right wing Republican phony propaganda and they are regurgitating it to try to push these narratives, these horse race agendas. It's absolutely absurd. So you go down the list. You're like, okay, maybe just Axios. Maybe it was their problem with this. Maybe they had an off day. Okay. Maybe the other media though, they probably mentioned some of these things, right? Let's go to the Daily Beast for a second. The Daily Beast. Amid rising concerns among voters about his age. President Joe Biden wrapped up his post-G20 summit presser on Sunday night by telling reporters he was, quote, going to bed. That's how they summed up this event with all this accomplishments? They had the nerve to write that and they consider themselves a legitimate news organization. It's absolutely absurd. Okay, so Daily Beast, maybe it was just them two though, right? It it, it couldn't be all of the media kind of piling on with this. No, let's go to the New York Times. The New York Times says, it is evening, isn't it? An 80-year-old president's whirlwind whirlwind trip. President Biden went to Asia with a diplomatic to-do list, but he also wanted to show he remains up to the rigors of a globe-trotting statesmanship. What a freaking bizarre 
framing from the New York Times. It is evening, isn't it? An 80-year-old president's whirlwind trip. Crazy. Okay, now we'll go to Politico. I, I think you're starting to see a theme in the news coverage. The so-called liberal media, okay? The, the so-called liberal right? media. Here's Politico. Politico says, Democrats worry that Biden's vulnerabilities risk being blown up as equivalent to Trump's, the latest in playbook. The equivalent to Trump's? The guy who maybe sold our national security secrets? The guy who stole classified documents and refused to give them back, the guy who fomented an insurrection, the guy who was told that he is a rapist by a judge, the guy and jury, who was, mm-hmm. and jury th- this is the, you're saying, oh, but Biden said he went, had to go to sleep at 10 p.m. at night. Absolutely absurd. And then I'll finish it off with this USA Today headline, which, uh, you know, r- r- really pissed me off as well, as you can see. Biden finds himself on the defensive after G20 leaders failed to rally around Ukraine. So if Biden went over to the G20 and did not solve the invasion into Ukraine in these couple of days, failure, doesn't matter what else he did, doesn't matter that he rallied the world around everything else, doesn't matter the other accomplishments. You could easily realize why when you see the local media that we showed you earlier and the national media that I just showed you right here, why there is this perception that exists and why there is this polling disparity, but frankly, why there is a disparity in what the media is reporting about what is going to happen during elections and the actual results that occur when elections are held. You have now Democrats overperforming in these special elections. I think there were something like, what, 38 special elections or something since the 2022 elections. And Democrats have overperformed above the polls, I think by an average of 10% in each election. You're seeing what happens when people actually go out and it is destroying these phony media narratives over and over and over again. But it's like they're so desperate to bring back Donald Trump. They are so desperate Mm -hmm. to welcome back a dictator and to be led by a dictator that it is just absolutely insane. I'm not going to read this, but I'm just going to show Biden's schedule, by the way. This is one day. This is Monday. This is, you know, today. Mm -hmm. Um, These are all the things that Biden did on Monday, his his trip schedule. Remember what Trump's schedule used to say? used to say various meetings and various things. Yeah, like he, that, he, that, he will that. do a lot of lot, lots of things. So compare that to this, okay? Com- compare that to this. this. These are just facts, right? These are just this is just the data. Um, so you have that from the quote unquote liberal media, right? And then you have Fox just making up things like they do because they're Fox. And you have this whole MAGA propaganda media that is piling on from just a completely opposite end in, in, in a honestly, just as devious way. And here's what Fox says about the trip. Now, before I pull this up, I want to say this. President Biden went to a military base after being in Hanoi to be with our troops on 9-11, to hang out with military families, to hang out with members of the United States military, to offer them comfort, to speak with them. And this is the headline that Fox ran. And let me know if by reading this headline or hearing this headline, let me know if you picked up on that President Biden was with the U.S. military at the time. Here's what they said. They said, last frontier, 
President Biden makes history by ditching hollowed 9-11 memorials for destination 3,000 miles away. Family members who lost loved ones sound off. How despicable of a network is this? So from the one end, you have the quote-unquote liberal media that is running with Joe Biden had to go to sleep after 10 o'clock. And on the other end, you have this Fox and this MAGA ecosystem that is just completely lying or twisting facts in a way to make it sound as poorly as possible. So you have those two things at play. And, and, and Brett, you mentioned the USA Today headline. It gets worse when you read the first paragraph, which is usually where people stop reading articles from anyway. Mm -hmm. And so this is the one that says, Biden finds himself on the defensive after G20 leaders fail to rally around Ukraine. And then it says, Washington, President Joe Biden failed at a weekend summit in India, to, and an underline is failed. So it says, President Joe Biden failed at a weekend summit in India to unite world leaders around condemnation of Russia's war in Ukraine, drawing a rebuke from Kiev and putting him on the defensive as he wrapped up a trip abroad. With no context of like, okay, well, who's in the G20? You are aware that President Biden, in an unprecedented fashion, has united NATO and that there is no possibility of firmly uniting G20 based on its composition to come up with a united condemnation that directly, just, it's unfortunate, it's just the composition of countries that are still dependent on Russia for certain types of things, but that they did put out a very strong statement rather than using the word Russia, condemning territorial encroachments and using all of the language to say it other than using the name Russia. But they rather go with this headline of Biden failed. And, and, and again, here's my thing. Just objectively report what went down. It, mm -hmm. it is not objective to say that it was a failure when it wasn't a failure. If it was a failure and it was a setback and NATO pulled out its support or whatever, then, then say that it was, but, but how are you framing the things in these terms? You could also say that people gave Trump the middle finger and you can say people applauded. You can talk about what went down in South Dakota and say that 7,000 people attended, if that's really the number, but they always lie about the numbers anyway. You could say who's accurately in the crowd, but you should also say that Donald Trump boasted about North Korea's nuclear arsenal. Kim Jong-un loves collecting nuclear weapons, and there was a rousing round of applause to Donald Trump praising Kim Jong-un's nuclear arsenal, as well as saying that he's going to have his next attorney general arrest his political opponents and say that that's outright fascism. But again, that's why this ecosystem is totally broken. And Brett, I want to talk in a moment about just the MAGA Republicans talking about secession. And I know we cover it on MidasTouch.com, but like, how is that not a major story in the media when a major, Marjorie Taylor Greene's not a fringe figure. She's someone who Kevin McCarthy put in a major position, calls for secession, that's just like, well, you know, on Biden's, nine, on 9-11, on the 9-11, on 9-11, and, and, right and after she meets with Donald Trump, the moment she leaves it, but, but, but talk, Brett, I, this isn't getting enough attention, the CHIPS Act. 
the CHIPS Act is making huge headway in making the United States the world leader in semiconductors. And I think all of us probably have at least an idea of how important semiconductors are in the age of computers, in the age of AI. And so this was actually a, a very good story by Fortune magazine. And here's the headline that they ran. America and China's $574 billion chip war has already scored an extraordinary success beyond anyone's wild dreams for Joe Biden. And the article explains, President Biden set the clock racing on October 7th with a set of export controls that sought to restrict China's procurement of highly advanced chips and the computers containing them. And they didn't just target the cutting edge chips, but the tools that could be used to make them, such as Netherlands-based ASML state of the art lithography machine. That's a serious barrier preventing China from developing its own models of the most advanced chips. And America's Dutch and Japanese allies have come on board, stunning efforts like Kleiman. It has been an extraordinary success beyond anyone's wildest dreams that the Netherlands and Japan's have joined U.S. controls, export controls to the hilt, Kleiman told Fortune. That was outside of what analysts expected. So once again, you see the administration, the policies of the administration being completely underestimated. You see the actual results from the policies completely overperforming, or at least performing how they said that they were going to perform on the global stage. And you see that it is making America a leader in a space, which is perhaps the most important space to be in as we move into the future. So these semiconductor chips, they're, they're in basically everything these days. I mean, microwaves, cars, fighter jets. It's massive, massive, massive business, and it really affects our lives. And in addition to that, you know, it's also about the future. It's also about things that haven't even yet been invented yet. Future sort of artificial intelligence systems that are yet to be created that could be used by nations for information, for warfare, for all these various things. The U.S. is now a global leader in this space and has become an envy in the world in this space and has brought our allies on board at the expense of China, who was set to be the leader in this space. And there's basically basically two things that are at play here. There's the CHIPS Act that we all know about. And then there was also an executive order that was signed in August, which banned U.S. investments in three critical Chinese technology sectors, semiconductors, quantum tech, and AI. So when you put the two of those together, you have the U.S. greatly expanding their ability to produce these semiconductor chips. You have our allies joining on in that fight, and you have China getting absolutely crippled in the space thanks to these policies and us getting a real strategic advantage. Once again, not being talked about nearly enough, but this is something that is really going to have a massive effect on the future. Brett, I couldn't agree more with you. And it is not your point. Who's like, who's out there talking about that? And, and if all Biden did was the CHIPS Act, you know, you take away the PACT Act, the Infrastructure Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, you took away all of the other initiatives and you just said, this is a pretty big deal. He got through the CHIPS Act. Take away the fact that even what's in something like the Inflation Reduction Act, right? As, as you talk about like capping insulin and things like the massive, massive changes in people's lives. If you just said that here you have the semiconductor industry, these billions of dollars of investments finally making America competitive and bringing those jobs here, you'd be like, that was a pretty significant thing to do in two years. But like, no one even talks about that. And the New York Times is like, well, he's old. He's an old guy. 
I want someone who's compassionate, who's intelligent, who cares about democracy, who is thoughtful. I don't need someone who talks like that. What I, no, I just want someone who's like confident. Like, like you saw what I just think. Like, what is that? I don't need a, like, a, like a crazy person. And we see it with our eyes, what it is. And we just need to, again, I don't believe that these positions, when I look at these things that President Biden has done objectively and say, these are good for our country. And then I look at what Donald Trump is talking about and go, that's really dangerous stuff. To me, again, that's not me being political or partisan. It's just calling things out like it is. Like, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene said this. This is what she said. This isn't me saying, she's calling for secession. You know, and I don't want to be gaslit by these MAGA Republicans who go, I didn't say we should call for secession. I was basically saying, if this happened, then there, it's like, I know what you're saying. We're reading it. This is what Marjorie Taylor Greene posted. If the Biden admin refuses to stop the invasion of cartel-led human and drug trafficking into our country, again, borrowing on that QAnon-style language, states should consider seceding from the union. This is what she posted moments after her meeting with Donald Trump. This is what she posted on 9-11, that states should consider seceding from the union based on her conspiracy as well about human trafficking and drug trafficking that President Biden's not trying to address. Now, here's an important point as well. I think that we all agree that there needs to be comprehensive policy regarding immigration. I think we all agree with that. And so what we should do is come together in a thoughtful way, like Democrats are proposing, to try to address comprehensive immigration reform. There isn't, we should just sit back and do nothing about it. The problem is, anytime there is an attempt at a thoughtful dialogue that addresses the issue and deals with compromise and does the hard work of government. MAGA Republicans instead, they go out to the border and they do these performative PR stunts and they put up buoys that could result in killing people and they want to do these stunts and then blame President Biden for not getting things done when the MAGA Republicans actually endorse killing immigrants. That's what they talk about. You want to listen to what Tucker Carlson is saying on his show? Tucker Carl, we did a report on MidasTouch.com where we just played what Tucker's words are. And Tucker Carlson was saying one of the things that he wished the governor of Texas did, Abbott, and be more powerful was is consider murdering migrants. And you have Abbott basically saying that he wants to put up these buoys that can kill migrants and he's not going to listen to federal policy at all on the issue. And that's the situation that we have. And we need comprehensive reform. We, we, we need to have policies, but it's MAGA Republicans who are blocking it. They're the arsonists. And then they go, ah, see, nothing's being done. We need to recognize that and just call out that behavior and what's taking place. And the fact that she's calling for secession is just utterly disgusting. And by the way, I was talking to you about this, Brad. I was like, no. With MAGA, with Congress gone, with Congress in recess, <laughs> I started thinking to myself and actually felt a little normal for a yeah, while. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot. Our podcasts were focused on a lot of the court cases, but 
you know, all of these things about Hunter Biden's dick and all of these things that the Republicans are talking about and they care about, you know, that's one of the th- issues that are very important to them, apparently. Like, we stopped talking about, like, that circus and that craziness, and we started focusing on the court cases and analysis, and things were relatively quiet. And then all of a sudden, it was like secession, impeachment, and it's like, okay, what's going on? It's like, oh, God, it, Congress returned. <laughs> Congress is back. And 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 this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing right now. What's mm-hmm. interesting though is that you do starting, you are starting to see these factions form because despite the fact that large media is getting it wrong, a lot of Republican politicians, when they went back to their district oh, for the recess, they know what their constituents care about. And they know that the American people are deeply worried about MAGA Republicans taking away their freedoms and using big government to trample on their freedoms, to trample on the freedom of women to make decisions over their body. They know that these MAGA Republicans have done nothing and engage in all of these weird stunts and it looks bizarre and it's embarrassing. So they heard that when they went back. So what we're actually starting to see now is people like Ken Buck, who's a member of the Freedom Caucus, a very right-wing group, the Freedom Caucus, very right. I disagree with Ken Buck on basically everything, a lot of disagreements there. But even he's like, okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these people who are calling for impeachment, that's not helpful. There isn't any evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. And then he was taking it a step further by basically saying, well, I teach constitutional law. She's out there doing these weird CrossFit videos of herself (laughs) calling for secession. And she called for for President Biden to be impeached before he even took office. Why is she the one who has any credibility on this subject at all? And I'm like, you know what, Ken Buck, he actually raises a, a, a point there that I think is is valid. And we've seen other Republicans as well today, um, a Republican in Ohio, uh, Congress member Joyce, um, who's a former prosecutor. And he basically said, you know, uh, I don't think that there should be government. This is, I don't think there should be government shutdowns. There's no reason for a government shutdown. What Donald Trump is saying is not based in reality. I think they're all real. Oh, and then by the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene's response to like Ken Buck is Ken Buck's a Democrat now. Just admit that you're a Democrat. You know, and and the point is, is that if you're not fully obedient to the cult of Donald Trump, then they call you a Marxist, a communist, a fascist. And there is no room at all for a scintilla of thoughtful analysis, discussion, or evidence-based. You know, we did this, um, you know, we did this great piece, Denver Riggleman, former uh, member of Congress who was in the Freedom Caucus. He's joined the Midas Touch Network as a host. And former Congress member Riggleman talked about how even when he started as a Republican and he started being around people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and even a lot of these people in the Freedom Caucus, they started all talking about the one algorithm conspiracy and how there's like a massive, de- you know, this is what the MAGA Republicans are talking about in Congress, that there is this secret liberal algorithm that controls all of social media run by the deep state that tries to suppress MAGA and Denver Riggleman who was a former Republican Republican at the time on the Freedom Caucus he sat there and he said he was like yeah these people are crazy 
Like these are re these are legitimately crazy people. And, and the irony, Ben, is is, is all the, the projection here, right? Because what have you seen actually happen? You see somebody like Elon Musk take over an app like Twitter and has actually recrafted the algorithm in order to specifically boost this unhinged right wing content. You know, you always just have to look at what they're accusing other people of to see their motives and their own plans of what they actually want to do or what they are doing. It's every single time without fail. Couldn't, yeah. And, and I, I did an interview moments ago before we started the show with Congress member Moskowitz, oh, nice. which, is air, which is airing tomorrow. And uh, his thoughts are uh, very, we'll say very, very, very powerful stuff <laughs> right there. But look, the, 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 the contrast to me could not be clearer here on this day this important day, this solemn day in American history as Congress returns from recess, as we all return from our summer recess, if you will, and we reset and we start thinking about what's ahead in the coming weeks and the coming months. And one of the things that makes me very, very, very confident, though, in our country you, the Midas Mighty, communities like this. And the fact that there is a pro-democracy, compassionate, intelligent community like you all who spread these videos and share these videos and make sure people are registered to vote and get out the truth is something that I am so honored and humbled to be a part of. So thank you all for creating the community around our shows and we'll keep on making these shows. We'll keep on doing the podcast. We'll keep on growing the network. One of the ways we grow the network is through our Patreon. And I'm excited to hear Brett's origin Ooh. story and learn about Brett's editing secrets. So if you are not yet a member of our Patreon, please consider becoming one that helps grow our platform here. We're able to do things like how we built bitestouch.com. We built that editorial team and we expanded. Normally organizations need outside investors and I don't want that. We don't want that. And so what we've been able to do is grow through this community. And so that's just one example of how you've seen the expansion of this network. So go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. Remember to spell it correctly, M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Go there now and hit subscribe. Also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear. And wherever you get audio podcasts, make sure you also subscribe to all the Midas Touch podcasts, including this one. Subscribe on YouTube, share this video with friends, families, coworkers, anybody that you know. And we'll see you next time on the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you all so much for watching. Jordy? Shout out to the Midas Mighty! At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.